communion, what it is and what it's not, next on Graceful Truth with Pastor Stephen Converse. From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Welcome to the program. We greet you in Christ and trust that as you join us today, we'll come away with some real encouragement about just exactly what it means to partake of communion. What is it? What is it not? These are questions we hope to answer today. Please join us. We begin in the book of Matthew, taking a look at the resurrection of Christ and the significance of this resurrection as it relates to communion. With this edition of Graceful Truth, here's Pastor Steve Coppers. Matthew 28 says, Now after the Sabbath, at the first day of the week, began to dawn Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for the fear of him and became like dead men. They just passed out, couldn't move. Verse 5, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he is risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into all Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Incredible. And with that resurrection, the Bible says that those who believe in Christ were raised as well. One day, we, if we have loved ones in Christ that have passed away, one day they will be resurrected and rejoined with their spirit. So he conquered death forever. Seventh thing there, he ascended back to heaven, Hebrews 7.25. And this is another kind of, a, a, kind of an important verse to look at. Hebrews 7.25, because it once again speaks of the finality of Christ's sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 7, and we look at verse 25. He says, Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost. In other words, completely. those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to what? Make intercession for us. He ascended back to heaven, Christ did, after He rose from the dead, and He now is our high priest in heaven. He makes intercession for us, prays for us. I mean, there's something to say about when, when, when you know people are praying for you. When you know someone is, is bathing you in prayer if you're going through a sickness or if you're going dealing with an emotional situation or family problems or whatever, or financial, whatever it is, you, when you know somebody's praying for you, no matter who it is, it, it kind of at least gives you a little bit of hope to the situation. Think about it next time. You know what? The Lord is interceding for you. The Lord Himself is in heaven dealing probably with whatever you're dealing with, helping you in that way, even though you can't sense it, maybe or you can't see it. 
So we want to remember those things. It's a time of commemoration, those things that Christ did for us. Secondly, it's a, it's a time of contemplation. Not only are we to remember what Jesus has done for humanity, but we're also think about what his sacrifice means for individuals. 1 Timothy 1.15, Jesus died on the cross to save sinners. But the important question is, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you personally? As you sit here this morning, you might say, well, yeah, I know Jesus died on a cross. I know he died to save sinners. I know that. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, what does that mean to you personally? Another way to put it is, have you been saved? Have you put your faith and your trust in the God of heaven to save you? Does his sacrifice move you toward him in worship if you're saved? Does the fact that he is alive forevermore thrill you in some way and excite you and cause you to bow before him in humility and worship? That's what it should do. We should use this time this morning as we gather for communion to reflect on these things, to reflect on what the work of Christ means to us, not just as a church, not just as Christianity, but what does it mean to you as an individual? Our minds should reflect on what His death and His resurrection has accomplished in our own lives. Stop and think about who you were before Christ and who you are now if you've come to Christ. There should be a difference. We want to remember those things. I mean, it's a wonderful time to just pause and, and consider your walk with the Lord. Where are you today? Where were you last week? Where were you six months ago? Where were you a year ago? Are you stuck in the same rut you were spiritually a year ago as you are today? I would encourage you to get out of the rut. <laughs> Ask God to get you out of the rut. It doesn't matter whether you're old or you're young or whatever. Don't just go through the, emo the, the, the motions of Christianity. It's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. It's more than just coming to church and carrying your Bible and saying amen or singing a song. You know, that's just the icing on the cake, beloved. It's something you do seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And if, if that's not our attitude, if we're not doing that, we have to pause and say, why not? What's going on? Because this time of communion holds no saving power. Just because you eat a cracker and drink some juice, that doesn't mean you're saved. However, for those that are saved, it's an important time. So ask yourself this morning, are you living in a manner that pleases Him? Is your heart right with the Lord? And that's what we want to consider that. Be thinking about that. Thirdly there, it's a time of identification. We talked about, you know, when we take the Lord's Supper publicly, we're, we, it's basically a way of identifying ourselves with those who trust in Christ. As baptism is, after you're saved, you come to Christ, the Bible says that you should be baptized. You should be identified with the body of Christ. Very clear. It's the first act of obedience. Well, this is also kind of an act of obedience because you're obeying the words of Christ as you come together, declare this and, and, and practice this till I come back. He hasn't come back yet, so we should still be uh, commemorating. We should still be contemplating. We should be identifying with Him through the Lord's Supper. Now, it is possible for a lost person to take part of this today. 
If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you could eat this juice, you could eat that bread. We don't encourage you to do it because the Bible discourages you from doing it. But it's important for those who are saved because it really is a time for us to declare publicly what we believe about the death and resurrection of Christ. And the Bible does speak of those who partake of it in an unworthy manner. But I think that a lot of times, you know, we think of communion and we think of non-believers taking it. I think what Paul was saying was, you know what, I'm, I'm talking to you believers. Don't you believers take partake of communion in an unworthy manner? Well, what does that mean? See, the Bible reminds us that we shouldn't be ashamed of Him. So when we come together in a public place or in a church, and we're called to commemorate and remember who Christ is, uh, we're not to be ashamed of who we are in Christ. In Romans chapter 10, it says that very clearly. Romans 10 verses 9 to 11, Paul writes this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, what? You will be saved. For with the heart... One believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. See, that, that shows someone who's not ashamed. They're willing to confess Christ. I think of the, the high school in, I think it was in Colorado or wherever, where um, that gal was asked, do you believe in God? And she had a shotgun pointing at her head knowing more than likely that if she answered yes, he was going to pull the trigger, and that's exactly what the, the individual did. You've got to stop and you've got to think, are you, are you ashamed? Do you think of your Lord as a crutch? Or do you look at, hey, you know what? I'm not ashamed of this. I need a crutch. <laughs> and God is my crutch. Regardless of what other people say, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to loudly proclaim. I'm going to make a profession of Christ in my workplace, wherever I'm at. I think that's a very important thing to, to remember, that it's, it's part of identifying with Christ. It's also a time of declaration. It reminds us when we celebrate the Lord's Supper that we're declaring, the Bible says, His death and His resurrection. Sometimes it can be a time of education. Um, sometimes in services, communion services, there's people that come that don't even know, have the slightest idea what communion is about. That's why we're always kind of take time to explain it. We want to take time to explain what we're doing when we take the bread and, and the juice. We want people to understand that just because you eat this cracker, this is not a holy cracker. This juice is not holy juice that we got from some holy grapevine somewhere. But it represents something far greater. It's just a symbol. And it's also a time where we can declare the gospel message to those who don't know it. That's why we preach the gospel, isn't it? I mean, that's what we're, we're told to do. We're, we're to proclaim the message of Christ to men, to women, to boys and girls, so that they would have an opportunity to put their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ. There's a good opportunity this coming weekend. Greg Glory is having an uh, evangelism thing down at uh, the uh, Shark Tank. It's free. Grab some of those brochures, hand them out, ask people to go, drag somebody, that, you know, and let them hear the gospel definitively and clearly. 
Let them have a chance to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we have to be ever reminded that we live in a lost and dying world and there's only one source of salvation, beloved. There's only one way to be saved. There's not many. There's only one. Jesus clearly said that. That He is the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through Me. There's one name under heaven where you must be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's... Today we live in an age where, where, where churches are trying to abandon the doctrines of salvation by grace alone through faith alone because they're trying to broaden their base. You know, we could compromise in our church and have a big crowd here. That's not, that's not why we're here. Because we'd be dragging that big crowd probably to a Christless eternity. Because the, the basics of the Gospel sometimes aren't even included in those big crowds. They talk about the love of God in a very generic way. They talk about all these things in a very generic way. Because they don't want to make it so personal that maybe you feel a little convicted in their service because if you feel a little convicted in their service, maybe you won't come back next week. And that's what they're concerned about. Now, I'm not saying that we should just offend to, make, to be offensive. But, beloved, the Bible says that the what? The message of the Gospel, the message of the cross is a what? It's an offense. Because you're telling somebody, you know what? You need something. Because you're not all what you thought you were. You're, you're a sinner just like everybody else. That's a message that offends people. I'd rather take the chance on offending someone and letting them hear the truth than compromising that that truth. So we need to declare. It's also a time of expectation. Because Jesus says that, you know what? He came, He died, He was, he was raised from the dead. And you know what? But the truth also is that, that He ascended to heaven for us and there He makes intercession for us as we looked at at the throne of God. But also He is promised in His Word that one day He's coming back. One day, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back to gather His church. In John 14, verses 1-3, to 3, Jesus says to His disciples, Let your hearts not be troubled, but believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's houses are many mansions. If, I, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am you also may be. He's just using rational thought. He's saying, look, I'm in heaven preparing a place for you. Don't get all stressed out because I'm not with you like I was for this you know, period of time during my ministry, three and a half years. I'm going to be gone. I'm going to go to the Father in heaven, but I'm going to be preparing a place for you. Now, why would I go prepare a place for you if I wasn't going to come and have you enjoy that place? The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back for His church one day. I mean, that's a blessed thing. 1 Thessalonians 4, 6-18 describes that. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Somebody say, what's He going to say? What's a shout? I don't know. Hey you! I don't know what He's going to say. I have the slightest idea, but it's going to be a shout. And with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, 
says the dead in Christ will rise first, then those who are still alive, those who are still you know, living, will remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And there we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That's what we call the rapture, the, 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 the catching away of the church. It's going to happen. There was a video somebody sent me, and I, I can't remember who it was, but it had a church setting, and um, basically it, it showed a service or whatever, and all of a sudden, like in a split second, boom, place, everybody's gone. There's still a couple people sitting there. Can you imagine? I mean, can you even conceive of what it would be like to be sitting here this morning and the Lord comes back and boom, everybody's gone. And you're sitting there with your Bible in your hand going, what just happened? Everybody's clothes are sitting there right where they're sitting. We played a joke on, I didn't, but somebody else told me about this. They played a joke on a, on a uh, professor. I guess he was always late to class. So the class got together, went to a big class, like 20 students. They thought, you know what, we're all going to bring our clothes, shoes, everything. We're going to set them in the, in the chairs like we were sitting there. So when he walks in, that's all he sees. It's like the rapture happened and he didn't get caught up with it. But you know, this is a time of expectation. And the Lord's, the Lord's Supper should be, remember, reminding us that He's coming back for us. I don't know if that gives you hope, but it does me. I mean, to know that the Lord is going to come back and, and He's going to take you to be with Him forever. question this morning is, are you ready for His coming? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Nobody can answer that question for you. Only you. In Matthew 24, 44, it says, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you did not expect. So many times, as young people, you think, ah, oh, you know, i got the rest of my life ahead of me. You may not. You may not. You don't know what today or tomorrow holds. And it's foolish to think you do. Because nobody does but God. Lastly, it's a time of examination. And in verses 27 to 31, he kind of goes over that pretty clearly in our text. But I think this is the most serious aspect of the Lord's time together. And he says in, in verse 27 that whoever eats a bread, drinks this cup, of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Uh, what's an unworthy manner? Um, maybe with an unrepentant heart. Maybe indifferently. Um, with a spirit of bitterness. Or some other kind of a, you know, attitude that may not be the most godly attitude to have. It says, whoever eats it, whoever it is, make sure that, that, that you do it in the right way. In verse 28, it says that we should examine ourselves. You know, this is really a warning to those who are lost, first of all. Um, because 
you know, and we always give the kind of the disclaimer, you know, if you're if you're not a believer here this morning, you know, don't you know, you don't need to really partake of this because it doesn't really mean anything to you. And most people respect that. You know. But also, I would also include if you're a believer here this morning, and there's something not right with your your walk, and there's there's something not right with you, you know. Um you need to, I mean, it's as simple as going to God and confessing it, but maybe you can't do that. I don't know. Maybe it's your pride or whatever. There's a warning in the Word of God that you shouldn't partake of this either. Because it's, it's, it's a very serious thing. We shouldn't take it lightly. And that's really what, what the Word of God is saying here. Don't take this lightly. It's not something you just, you know, lightly do. Um, and I think sometimes we, we partake of it in a, in a, in a just a almost a disrespectful way, and it's dishonoring. It's like if I took the American flag and I laid it out here and I started dancing on it. You'd what are you doing? If I say, "Oh, it's just a piece of cloth," who cares? It's just silk. It's no big deal. You'd be appalled. You'd say, oh, I, "I couldn't believe you did." Why? Because that's dishonoring our country. That's what that's doing. Well, when we come to the Lord's table. In a dishonoring way, it's not just dishonor, it's dishonoring the Lord. It's dishonoring what is represented here this morning. So I, I would ask you to, to ask these questions of yourself this morning. You know, you remember when you were little, maybe you don't, but I remember this. You know, right around supper time, you'd hear these words Go get washed up for supper. You just hear that every day. Go, go wash your hands. Go get washed up for supper. Well, that's kind of what we're doing this morning. You know, we're coming to the Lord's table. And, you know, yeah, obviously Christ has paid for all of our sins. If we're in Christ this morning, then, you know, we're, we're as pure as He is. But practically, that's not so. Sometimes we need to go to Him in confession. And so I ask you this morning, are you saved here this morning? Do you know? the Lord Jesus Christ, have you put your faith and your trust in someone other than yourself or someone other than a church? Have you put your faith and trust in the Lord? Has He made that change in your life? Ask yourself this, is your life pleasing to the Lord? Are there hidden things in your life that need to be dealt with? Maybe even this morning. Is there any problem between you and another believer? There is, you need to take care of it. You need to go to God and then you need to go to that person and make those things right. Can you honestly say as you sit here this morning that your heart is pure, your life is pure? If you are, then we're ready to receive the bread and the juice with a true heart of worship that, that God will be pleased with. But I would encourage you to, to make that self-examination. We're just going to sing a couple songs and, and then just give you a time to reflect. And then after the songs, we'll have the men come and uh, we'll distribute the elements. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. And Lord, I pray that we would not just do this uh, communion thing like it's just something we got to get through. But Lord, that we would remember what it's all about. That You would help us to remember the sacrifice that You made on our behalf. Lord, that You would speak it afresh to us this morning in our hearts. Lord, that we would make sure that it's something that's between you and us. Lord, we shouldn't be concerned about what our neighbor's doing at this time or across the room or whatever. We should be focusing on our own heart. 
And Lord, we just thank you that you give us this opportunity to come to you and, and to worship you this morning and hear your word and also to partake of this table together. And Lord, we thank you that this table is open to all who trust in you. And Lord, we just pray that they don't have to be a member of this church, but they have to be a, a member of your church, of your body. And Lord, we, we pray that people will respect that. So Father, we just thank you. Pray bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.